The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, Pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March to Zion broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace. morning. It's a great blessing to speak to you this morning on the radio. We're so thankful to have the opportunity to preach the message of salvation by grace alone from week to week. I'm so delighted this morning to have my good friend, Elder Luke Hegler, who is also a member of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church, where I pastor. 
He's going to be preaching for us here in just a little while, and we look forward to hearing that. We invite you to come and worship with us at Bethlehem anytime that you can. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. We enjoy worshiping the Lord in a very simple manner. We come together in one room as families and individuals, and we sing, we preach, and we pray. It's a refreshing thing to enjoy this day and time when everything around us seems to be so complicated. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at my email address, which is very easy. That's Tim at T-I-M-E. M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. Following this song, we'll hear a message from Elder Luke Hegler. Thank you, Brother Tim. It's a pleasure to be back with you this morning. I hope everybody's had a blessed morning and has been prayerful for the time that we have this morning on the radio. I'd like to look at a verse in John the 19th chapter in verse 30. John the 19th chapter in verse 30. And it reads like this. It says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Now, that's probably a very familiar verse to many of us. 
It's one of the last things that Jesus said on the cross before he died. It says, it is finished, were three words that Jesus said. And I want to take a few minutes this morning to look at those three words, it is finished. And that begs the question to anybody that's interested in the Bible, it begs the question, what was finished? What exactly did Jesus finish when he said, it is finished? And it's very important that we understand what exactly was finished on the cross at Calvary. I'd like to tell you a quick little story, a uh, personal experience that I had that might help frame your minds and, and, and get you thinking in the right way to understand where we're going to go this morning with a few of these verses. Several years ago, I was coming into my driveway. Uh, my parents and I share a uh, common driveway entrance, and their house splits off one way, and ours goes on around um, up the hill. But for the most part, we share a, a common driveway, and uh, my dad is often riding up the our part of the driveway and uh, to check on things. We have a shop up there, and he uh, keeps his tools in there too. So he's very frequently up and down our driveway as well. Well, one one afternoon, I was coming home, and I had the kids in the car with me, and we pulled up uh, into the driveway, uh, and we live out in the country, and there's not many houses around, and we're in the woods, and we pulled up in the driveway, and there was a copperhead snake laying in the road. And as many of you know, a copperhead is a poisonous snake. Well, I have four children, four relatively young children, all under the age of 10 years old. And so anytime we see a poisonous snake around our house, we always kill it because we don't want a child to step on it for it or for it, it to get in our flower beds or in our uh, yard somewhere and a child be playing and having an encounter with it that leads us to an emergency room visit. So if we see a poisonous snake, we always try to kill it. So we pull up here this afternoon um, that we were coming home, and there's a copperhead snake laying in the road. And so I see it, and uh, I'm not fearful of the snake, but I have a sense of urgency that if I want to protect my children, I need to get out and try to kill this snake. And I don't want to go to bed tonight thinking, oh, I got off into the grass in the yard, and I know it's there somewhere, but I can't find it. So there was a sense of urgency as we pulled up there and I saw that snake. So I jumped out of the car. My heart's racing a little bit. I've got to get to him before he gets out of the road. And, uh, and I grab the pistol and I'll go up there and I, I shoot the snake a couple times and uh, get back in the car and, and feel a sense of relief that, uh, that I've killed the snake and there's no need for uh, us to worry. Uh, that snake is not going to bother us at all because he's dead. And so we went on up the hill and got out and went on about, about our day. Next day, I saw my dad. And he asked me, he said, what were you shooting at in the driveway yesterday? He said, I was on the back porch and I can hear you shooting down there in your driveway. And I said, well, there was a copperhead snake laying in the road right about the culvert there. And he was about three or three feet long or so. And, and, uh, and I killed him before he could get away and get in our yard and end up biting one of the kids. And he kind of chuckled a little bit and he said, it, was it laying right there by the culvert? And I said, yeah, that's right. Right by the culvert. And he said, was it going, uh, was it going east to west? And I said, that's right. He said, was it about three feet long? And I said, yeah, that's right. That's exactly the kind of snake that I just killed. And he chuckled and said, he said, I killed that snake about 10 o'clock that morning. And I got a big laugh out of that. And I did not know that that morning, my father had been coming down through there about 10 o'clock and he had seen the copperhead snake and he had killed it. And going on about his business, he just left it in the road. Well, when I pull up that afternoon, I see a dead snake laying in the road, although it doesn't look dead to me. But I jump out with that sense of alarm and a sense of urgency, trying to complete something 
that has already been completed. So my point of that story is to say this. When we understand when something has been finished, it changes our outlook, it changes our demeanor, it changes the way we view things. If I would have known that my father had already killed that snake, I would have never put the brakes on. I would have never had a sense of urgency. I never would have had a sense of alarm. I wouldn't have got out of the car. We would have just rode on by the snake and pulled up in our carport and just gone on about our day. But I did not understand that he had already finished a particular work. And if I had have understood it, it would have dramatically changed the way I looked at that. So when Jesus says, it is finished, it's very important that we understand what exactly he finished, lest we end up trying to complete something that he has already completed. Maybe we're walking around with a sense of urgency and a sense of alarm over something, not realizing that Jesus Christ has already finished that work and has already accomplished something and that we do not need to bear the burden of trying to complete something that has already been completed. So let's take a few minutes this morning just to look at what Jesus actually finished when he said it is finished. When you go to John the 6th chapter, in the 38th and 39th verse, John the 6th chapter, verse 38 and 39, Jesus says this, He says, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Those two verses there give us a very good picture of what the work Jesus had to do. Now, he had many works when he came to this earth in human form that he was going to do. He was going to do many miracles. He was going to preach the gospel. And those are works that Jesus came to do. But ultimately, the main work that Jesus came to do is listed here in John 38 and 39. He says, I've come to do something. I came down from heaven to do something. And what I came to do is the will of God in heaven that sent me. And he said, this is the will of my Father, that he has given me something. He has given me something, and my job is to not lose any of those things that he has given me, but I should raise it up again at the last day. Now, we know this, that at the last day, that there's going to be a general resurrection, that things are going to be raised up. Now, we're talking about people here. We're not talking about trees or plants or the ocean or rainbows or planets. We're talking about people. Jesus is saying, all that of all which he hath given me, which are people, we'll look at that in just a minute, we'll prove that in a minute, that I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And you could summarize John 6, 38 and 39 with Matthew one twenty one, when the angel brings the prophecy about Joseph and Mary, speaking of Mary, the Virgin Mary, he says, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, For he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew 121 is a summary of John 6, 38 and 39. The work that Jesus came to do was to save his people from their sins. We read, uh, I believe it's also in John the the sixth chapter where Jesus says, All that the Father giveth me 
shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You see, what was given to Jesus was a people. All the Father giveth me shall come to me. And then he also says, all that he hath given me, that I'm not going to lose any of them, but I'm going to raise them up again at the last day, which ultimately packaged up in one little easy-to-understand verse, the main work that Jesus Christ came to do was to save his people from their sins. Now, I want you to think about that this morning. Jesus says, it is finished. We know from the scripture that the work that he came to do was to save his people from their sins. Now, I want to look at just a few other verses here. Many times you will hear a doctrine taught that goes something like this. They'll say that the work that Jesus came to do was to make men savable. And the work that he came to do was to make men reconcilable back to God or to make their sins purgeable or make them forgivable. Meaning that the work that Jesus finished was just making salvation a possibility. That is one doctrine that you'll hear taught out there that the work that he's when he said it is finished, he was basically saying, I have done my part. Now you are savable if you will meet certain conditions. So the full eternal work of salvation for it to actually be completed. This doctrine will tell you that it takes Jesus dying on the cross And it takes man meeting certain conditions, which those conditions will change depending upon what denomination uh, you, you are in. But nonetheless, it means Jesus had to do something and we have to do something. And what Jesus meant by it is finished is that he had done his part to make us savable, reconcilable back to God and make our sins purgeable. Yet we've got to meet the conditions. So there's a belief that his death on the cross made salvation a possibility. But let's look at just a few verses here to see if that's true. The doctrine of the primitive Baptist, the doctrine that we believe, the doctrine that that Jesus taught, Peter taught, and Paul taught, is that when he said it is finished, he was not making salvation a possibility. He was making it a certainty. He was finishing it. He was accomplishing it. When he died on the cross and when he said it is finished, he was basically saying, I came to to save my people from their sins and that I would not lose one of them. And I have finished that work as I hang and die on this cross that 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 salvation and that security for all of those that the father gave me is now completed and can never be undone by any deed of man. So let's look at this for just a second. In Romans, the fifth chapter, in verse 19, we read this part of that verse. It says, So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now, let's look at that. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So let's put that verse to the test. Let's look at those two different views on the finished work of Jesus Christ was to make men savable or the finished work of Jesus Christ was actually to complete salvation on the cross, leaving no condition for man to meet because he had accomplished it already. So let's look at which one of those is best supported by the statement, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. There will be some that say, 
that you are not made righteous until you meet those conditions. It takes Jesus to going to the cross, dying for the dying to make sins forgivable and dying to make righteousness a possibility. But man has to meet that condition in order to be made righteous in the sight of God. So I ask you this. How many people does it take with that view to make a man righteous? It takes the obedience of Jesus and it takes the obedience of man in meeting those conditions to make a man righteous. But Romans 5.19 says, By the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. You see, being made righteous in the sight of God in an eternal sense only took the obedience of one and that was the man Jesus Christ. It does not take our obedience to make us eternally righteous with God. And and when you read that verse in the light of the work that Jesus came to do, understanding what his work was and what his purpose of being here was, and when he said it is finished, he says, it is finished. I have made many righteous in the sight of God in an eternal sense. Now, let's look at Hebrews, the first chapter, in the third verse, and it reads, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, this is talking about Jesus, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, when he had by himself purged our sins. So let's take that verse and look at it in light of those two two belief systems. The belief system that says Jesus Christ died to make a man's sins purgeable. Not he didn't purge them, he just made them purgeable, meaning that they are now possible to be it is now possible for them to be purged. But man has to meet a condition that solidifies that and actually makes his sins forgiven and purged and put away and washed white as snow. It takes Jesus doing his part and it takes man doing his part. Yet the verse says when he had by himself purged our sins. Notice it doesn't say when he made our sins purgeable. It says he by himself purged our sins. Now, again, go back to what what the work of Jesus was. It was to save his people from their sins, according to Matthew 121. And when he says it is finished, he was saying, as in Romans 5, by my obedience, I have made many righteous in the sight of God in eternity. And Hebrews 1 and 3, by my work on the cross, by my finished work on the cross, I have purged the sins of all of those that the Father has given me. And I sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now notice this, Hebrews ten fourteen says, For by one offering, he, meaning Jesus, hath perfected forever them that are sanctified by one offering, He hath perfected forever them that are are sanctified. That means that Jesus Christ's work on the cross was the one offering that perfected forever those that are sanctified. And those that are sanctified are the same that are mentioned in John 6, 38 and 39, when it talks about all which he hath given me. All that the, the Father gave Jesus are those that are sanctified, meaning those that were set apart before the foundation of the world, and one offering perfected them forever. Now, I ask you this again. If it took Jesus Christ dying on the cross to make our sins purgeable, to make us reconcilable 
uh, to, to make us savable, yet it took us meeting certain conditions, and it took us offering ourselves to God. If it took us, as you hear it said many times, if it took us offering our heart to God or offering our lives to God or giving ourselves to God, that would mean it took two offerings to perfect forever them that are sanctified. But it does not take our offering of our, our own wicked, deceitful heart to the Lord. It does not take us giving him our heart. It only took his offering on the cross to perfect forever them that are sanctified. My point this morning has been to you this. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross to make man savable. He did not die on the cross to make us reconcilable back to God. Romans 5 says by the death of his son, he reconciled us back to God. He did not die on the cross to make our sins forgivable or savable. He did not die to make us redeemable. He died to save us and to redeem us and to reconcile us and to purge our sins. And when he said it is finished, that is exactly what happened? He completed the work that he came to do. And that's very important for us to understand that. Because we can rest in this life with a, with a rest in our minds and a peace in our hearts. That Jesus Christ has already finished the work. And the sense of urgency and the sense of alarm can be put to rest over man's eternal salvation. Because he has already finished it. And completed it. And I hope you can take rest in that. It's very similar to the example of the snake I used earlier. If I would have known my father had already killed the snake, I could have rested easy and had a peace in my heart. But when I didn't understand that the snake had already been dead, I had an unneeded, unnecessary sense of urgency. Okay? Now, let me say this. What is our role then? Why preach? Why spend time on the radio? Because there are many, many things in the life of a child of God that need the light of the Word of God to shine on those areas to help us. We need to know how to be better fathers, better mothers, better husbands, better wives, better children. We know how to act in the workplace. We need to know how to forgive and how to be merciful and how to be kind. Now listen, in Second Corinthians 5 and verses 19, 18 and 19, it says, all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And he goes on and says, He hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now let me say this as we close this morning. Don't think just because eternal salvation was finished on the cross and we don't play any part in eternal salvation. Don't take it in your mind that we are to do nothing and there's no need to preach because the Bible says, I gave to you the word and the ministry of reconciliation. Notice he does not say, I gave you the work of reconciliation. I gave you the word of reconciliation. Brothers and sisters, uh, we are to talk about the finished work of Jesus Christ. We are to shine that light into the born-again child, born child of God's mind and give them understanding and to help them know it is Jesus who reconciled you on the cross of Calvary. It is Jesus who finished that work. He had the work of reconciliation. We have the word of reconciliation. I hope that that has been profitable to you this morning. And I hope along with me you can rejoice 
and the finished work of Jesus Christ when he said it is finished, that he saved his people from their sins, having put them away as far as the east is from the west and made them white as snow and reconciled them back to the Father. Thank you for your attention and may God richly bless you this morning. been listening to the march to zion broadcast for more information contact 205-364-1396 or write to the march to zion broadcast p.o box 270 Carrollton, alabama 35447 bethlehem primitive baptist church is located seven miles east of gordo and 10 miles west of northport just off highway 82 on the boyd road near ecola services are each sunday at 10 30 a.m and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace.